Even in the early stages of dating Mark, the man who would eventually become my husband, I knew that he was going to be trouble. Mark wasn't necessarily rude, but he certainly knew that he was cut from a different cloth than most of the people around him. He couldn't help but look down on everyone else, even me. It would be one thing if Mark was simply hot, which he certainly is, but add endless money to the equation and you've got a real monster. But he's my little monster, and I love him. It's hard to talk about Mark honestly without making him sound like a horrible person, so it should be stated again loud and clear, my husband is incredible. He is loving and absolutely gorgeous, funny and fun to be around, but he is also spoiled rotten. Who could really blame him though? An heir to the Monty Clark fortune, Mark was born with more than just a silver spoon. He had the whole dining set. His family consisted of some of the richest people on the planet, never having to work a day in their life for at least three generations back. It's a type of wealth that I could never have imagined living with and, like most people, find it slightly appalling in some strange subliminal way. It's not like Mark asked to be born to this fortunate situation. It just happened. And the things that this kind of freedom does to the mind of a young gay man are powerful. Mark doesn't understand what it is to work, to save, or to starve. He has never experienced a hard time in his life where things were truly down to the wire, never yearned for a purchase that was just out of reach. At least he tried to live like the common people every once in a while, which is precisely how we met. Years earlier, Mark and I had been in the same English class in an esteemed East Coast college where he was attempting to shed his silver spoon image. There were murmurs around the school that Mark Monty Clark was attending, but to be honest, I would have never recognized him in a million years had we not sat right next to each other. Even then, I only understood that there was a vague familiarity about him. I soon discovered that the familiarity I felt was from years of seeing his smiling face on the cover of various tabloids, but I'd like to chalk it up to love at first sight. I guess I'm just a hopeless romantic. Dating Mark was difficult when I realized that there was nothing I could really do to impress him. The guy had it all. Even if I splurged on the fanciest dinner in town, my boyfriend could easily just buy the restaurant right then and there. But as soon as I let go of all that nonsense, our relationship truly blossomed. Mark liked me for me, not because I needed to provide him with gifts or tokens of value. Eventually, we were married, having one of the most incredible ceremonies I could have ever imagined. The Monty Clark family spared no expense. From the world-famous wedding band to the flowers shipped in overnight from Paris, the whole thing was extravagant beyond belief. Now we live in married bliss up in the hills above Los Angeles, our massive modern home stretching out across the ridge of a mountain that looks down on the twinkling lights of Hollywood. Mark enjoys his various hobbies by day while I work as an author, and we meet in the evenings for dinner and to catch each other up on our respective days. To be honest, I find myself looking back and unable to remember the last time I actually did something I didn't want to do, but now I personally know the same curse that Mark has grappled with his entire life, supreme boredom. When you don't have to work for anything, it all starts to lose value. You find yourself buying more and more stuff to fill the void, to make yourself feel like you did when you were younger and you worked all summer to buy an old used bike or a ticket to a concert. I miss that feeling. Mark, on the other hand, never knew what it was like to yearn, and that difference is finally starting to draw us apart. Is that a new car? asked my husband as he walks in the front door, a stern frown plastered across his otherwise handsome face. I've just finished up dinner and was waiting for Mark to come home, lounging in our living room that could probably fit the entire house of most middle-class families within its walls. Yeah, Mark says, throwing his keys onto the counter and walking over to sit next to me on our small white couch in the middle of this vacant open space. But the thing doesn't fucking work. 